Genesis 14 18-20. We meet today, this mysterious figure, Melchizedek. He appears only twice in the Hebrew Scriptures. He is the first named priest in the Bible and his name means the King of Righteousness or King of Peace. Some Jews thought of him as a heavenly figure, and one who will return in the final judgment. Stranger than his sudden unexplained appearance though, are what he offers, bread and wine, as sacrifice. Melchizedek strangely appears as a type of the priest to come, Jesus Christ. Today, we do not understand the importance of sacrifice for ancient cultures. Every community would have public sacrifices to the gods they worshipped. This was not something from which you could exclude yourself because the well-being of the community depended on it. You had to placate the gods and ask for their blessing. It united the people as one community. People also offered personal sacrifices, you offer the best of your flock or herd or something valuable. You were saying to God, I give you what is best, as a symbol of everything I am and have. The shedding of blood was usually required for forgiveness. It was to say, my sin destroys me, please take this blood in that place and give me life. We might tend to dismiss this as pre-modern superstition, but in truth, we remain religious beings. We seek forgiveness, healing, communion. We just don't know where to find it. From the beginning, there was also a recognition that these sacrifices were inadequate, particularly in the scriptures. The very sacrifice which is supposed to unite people were a source of rivalry. Think of Cain and Abel. The greatest sacrifices made still could not stand for everything about our life, which is what we owed to God. If we owe our very lives to God, what could we offer in return? Even more, God asks if I were hungry, will I tell you? Do I drink the blood of goats and the flesh of bulls? Everything in the world belongs to me. Psalm 50:13. the sacrifice God asked for, was thanksgiving and a righteous life, Psalm 50:14, which is what sinful man could not give him. Israel was allowed to bring sacrifices, but only God Himself could provide for them the perfect sacrifice. In the background was the heavenly figure of Melchizedek, the righteous king and priest who brings forth gifts of bread and wine acceptable to God. These will become the very elements which the true Melchizedek, the new high priest will institute as the perfect and everlasting sacrifice. Why bread and wine? Because they are the greatest sacramental representations of the mystery we celebrate. We don't today understand what sacraments are, first and foremost. Sacraments are sacred signs. The sign makes visible what is a sacred mystery, which is hidden. What do bread and wine make visible? We have to keep in mind what we just said about why people offered sacrifices, to be forgiven of their sins, to be blessed, to find communion, to offer themselves to God. Bread and wine fulfill all these things. First, to offer bread and wine is to offer ourselves. You can hear it in the prayer of offering, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. To offer bread and wine, is to imply their raw material, wheat and vine. But wheat and vine imply what makes them, the goodness of the soil, the rain, the sun, in other words, the whole cosmos. And the cosmos implies all that is created and bestowed as gift to man. When we bring bread and wine to the altar, we are saying I offer everything, all that I have been given, but also all my work into making it into something better. It is to recognize that everything we have is a gift from God. Second, and here, I shamelessly plagiarize the great Bishop Fulton Sheen, who I'm sure borrowed from Augustine, anyway. Sheen notes, no two substances have to suffer more to become what they are than bread and wine. Wheat has to pass through the rigors of winter, be pulverized in the calvary of a mill, and then subjected to purging fire before it can become bread. Grapes must be crushed in the Gethsemane of a wine press to become wine. They are apt symbols of the suffering caused by sin, the agony of Christ in His passion and death. They also represent the condition of salvation, for unless we die to ourselves, we cannot live in Him. 
Third, no two substances in nature which have more traditionally nourished man than bread and wine. Bread is one of the most essential foods across all cultures. Food we eat becomes a part of us. But the food turned into Christ makes us part of the body of Christ. Fourth, there are no two substances in nature better symbolize unity than bread and wine. Bread is made from a multiplicity of grains of wheat, and wine is made from a multiplicity of grapes. In their very constitution, they symbolize the many who are made one body, one in Christ. Finally, the bread symbolizes the suffering in our lives, while wine symbolizes joy. It is a recognition that our lives are composed of both joy and suffering and everything in between. On the altar we offer all of it with thanksgiving. This is the sacrifice that we make, the rest is what God does. We already see this in the Gospel. Jesus takes the little bread that is provided, gives thanks and breaks it for everyone. What He does is not magic, which is what the devil tempts Him to do. What Jesus does is entrust everything He is and has to the Father, giving, thanks for it. This is the perfect offering we can never make, because Jesus is the sinless, completely loving Son of the Father. At the Last Supper, Jesus knew that He would be put to violent and unjust death the next day by sinners. He would freely take this unjust and horrid event and offer it to the Father. Through the thanksgiving of Jesus, this event, the result of our sins, will become an offering pleasing to God, the very source of our salvation. When we offer ourselves, the stuff of our lives, our joys, sorrows, the injustices we face, even our own sins, they are taken up in the thanksgiving of Jesus at Calvary and transformed into something beautiful. These become the very stuff of holiness. Jesus takes it into the one sacrifice at Calvary and gives our lives back to us, now filled with His divine life. This is the Eucharist. We are religious beings, and we constantly worship all kinds of things, our career, our studies, other people, things we want to possess, and they leave us anxious, addicted, less free. But when we offer ourselves to God, He gives back everything we give Him, healed and made whole. Catholics often stop going to Mass because they don't recognize the drama of their own lives at the altar. We sometimes come, pray, receive communion and then walk away to our real lives, happy we have fulfilled our obligation. Our lives don't connect to what happens at the Eucharist, where through Christ's thanksgiving, we become the food that we eat, Christ Himself. And Christ sends us forth, to be Himself, bread broken for the salvation of the world. Music